Welcome back to Take Off with a Wellness Story, the podcast that helps busy airline executives and their teams to achieve peak health and performance. In our last episode, Jim shared his life-changing experience with the Hadza tribe in Tanzania, revealing the simple yet profound lessons on the four drivers of health and how they can be integrated into our busy lives. Building on that conversation, we're thrilled to delve deeper into a subject that is of a critical importance to our health and performance, and that is how we manage our energy. How can we navigate the relentless pace of our modern life without compromising our health? To explore this further, we have the privilege of welcoming Michelle Ashby to our show. Michelle, with her diverse background spending over 30 years in finance, mining and leadership, brings a unique perspective on this topic. She has been recognized among the top 25 most powerful women in business in Colorado and the top 100 women in mining globally for her work in training 1,000 women to get on corporate boards. Michelle will share how her experiences have transformed her approach to life and work, emphasizing balance, sustainability, and the power of rest. Whether you're striving for success in the corporate world, leading a team, or simply seeking a more balanced approach to life, this conversation promises to shed light on how ancient wisdom can inform and enhance our modern day practices. Enjoy. Michelle, it's so nice to have you with us today. Welcome. So let's start at the beginning. Um, You have had such an amazing corporate experience. You know, you are a leader in uh, board governance, in diversity. You have had a career in finance, in mining. How does somebody with such a really kind of, yeah, corporate focus end up on a trip to Tanzania to visit a primitive tribe? Like what what drew you to, to this journey? Oh, it was Eric at Meads for sure. Um, I was drawn by uh, our leader who put this together and allowed us the opportunity to go visit the Hadza tribe. Because I'm in the mining sector, I've actually been to Africa about 25 times. So uh, that part was not new to me, but I never had the opportunity before to really be with a, um, a tribe at, like the Hadza. Yeah, so so I mean, obviously it's great to see you, Michelle. I mean, we hey, were Jim. on the trip together. And what was your kind of preconception of, of the Hadza before you got there? And, and, and how did that kind of pan out visiting them for the for the couple of days that we were there? You know, it, I think we all had kind of ideas because Eric talks about that. And it was just fascinating to me to be allowed to be with them because I know that it's a very sacred um, thing to be with them. And especially, I'll tell you the thing that really, this is weird, but what attracted me was to sleep on the ground outside. It was the most scary thing to think about and also the most fun. And to go from the modern world of where we have all of these, you know, all of these conveniences to a place where you don't. And so my thoughts were as a woman, like, where do I go to the bathroom? You know, do I have to change my clothes? You know, I mean, there, what do I, all those kinds of things, which are so different than what we live in our everyday life. And there's an attraction to a kind of understanding that. And also I think the little kid in me wanted to go camping. Okay. So just to be for real. <laughs> it was pretty extreme camping. And if I remember it, it rained that night. So we, we had the experience of, of the rainy season as well over there. We did. 
but it was like we were 10 years old there. Everybody was squealing and running and running, we're yeah. running in the wrong gym. Jim took us in the I wrong direction. I brought you in the direction. wrong direction. Like, Turn around, we're going well, it's a, it sounds like fun, but so so how does the real experience compare to what you thought it would be? You know, um, it was, I, I went into it really open, actually, without a lot of expectations. I wanted it to be what it was, as opposed to have have a preconceived mo- notion and then judge it. So there were there were things that surprised me, like when we first got there and they took us up to the cave and one of the tribesmen did all of this, like this whole performance showing us like how they make their arrows and had their bows and talked about the. And so he doesn't speak our language. Their mm-hmm. language is in, in like, kind of like that. We couldn't Which, understand yeah. him. Yeah. We had interpreters, but even without the interpreter, you could get the gist of what he was sharing with us. And then he whipped out this thing that he had made, they made in, that's an instrument, started playing yeah. and it sounded like, like a banjo. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like a banjo. It was amazing. And so um, there were lots of surprises that way. So I, uh, we both read your blog uh, on your trip to Tanzania. And what, what really is, was interesting for me um, is you mentioned that, um, the, the Hadza women have this practice of sitting and sharing. And you say that it's almost like a, a, a deliberate act of energy preservation. Right. Can, can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like Jim went on the hunt. My intention was to spend time with the women because I'm interested in diversity, women's issues and culture around that. And I wanted to observe how that works. So for one thing I wanted to share is the men and the women have separate caves. They have separate fires. They do sleep together, as I believe in the hot speed, because they told us they do sleep together at night. So that's when they come together the most. And um, when we were around the women's fire, there's no chairs. Okay, you sit on the ground, a log or a rock. And they sat on the ground and um, they talk. And they, I believe what they're doing is, because we couldn't understand them, sharing stories with each other. They don't have written, you know, they don't have books. They, they, they learn by sharing stories. These stories among the women could have been about childbirth, could have been about, you know, um, a neighbor. It could have been gossip for all we know, because we could not understand them. And then men were at their fire, you know, doing the same thing, sitting around the fire. You could hear them chatting from time to time. And what you're talking about, my observation of the preservation was, first of all, I felt this calmness mm-hmm. when I was there around them. There's like this kind of, you know, like gear down. Yeah. No rush. You're quiet. And they would just go and, you know, like kind of sit under a tree. And maybe they were starting to, you know, like um, carve out a baobab fruit or maybe they at one time when you were all hunting they brought out their beading so they are actually making you know necklaces that they're selling to I'm assuming tourists Mm -hmm. and um, we sat on the ground with them and helped them with the beading and you know they'd be like you know show us the different colors get to get this one get that one and we pick them up and you know they were stringing them um all very calmly. There's there's no yelling, there's no crying, there's no you know 
I don't know, just, it's just really, really calm. And that's what I really noticed. And when I said they're preserving their energy, it felt so different from what we do in our lives where we say relax. Well, relax might be sitting in front of the TV or getting a drink or even going for a cup of tea or something. That's not the case for them. They relax by leaning up against a tree in the shade or spreading out a piece of fabric on the ground and sitting on the ground with the children. And, um, and, and the children are even calmer, you know, they're running around and they climb the trees and all that kind of thing, but they're not, um, Hyper. they're not, yeah, they're, they're just, they, they're not fighting over anything. You know, they're, they're definitely playing together and they're very cognizant also and aware of their, their environment and that they don't get too far away from where the adults are and that they also are listening. I think that's the other thing is it isn't all just the preservation. It's actually listening because you are in, you are in the wild and you have to think about your surroundings pretty mm -hmm. much all the time. Yeah. So I think it, it, the contrast between the, the men on the hunt, I mean, we experienced some, some really intense bursts of energy where these guys are running full out, uh, you know, they're tunneling in for hyena, you know, some, some pretty stressful situations, but then they just de-stress. As soon as the, the stressful event is over, they light a fire, they sit around the fire and they, they trade, I assume, stories about the hunt and probably joke, etc. So it's, it's really that those kind of bursts of, of stress and then de-stressing. Um, right. And then you, what you don't know about that is that there are parts of the animal that are for the women and they would take those pieces and one of the tribesmen would show up in camp with us and bring those to, they ha they would have it somehow in their whatever and hand it over to some, someone, one of the women, and then they'd start working. Mm. So they would start working on the process of cleaning, you know, because yeah. they would get the intestines, the stomach, the hooves. And they would start preparing those. They'd also bring in, I believe, the, um, um, did they bring in the fur or did you bring that back? Do you remember if you brought the hide? Because someone was always working on the hide. And I noticed that it, it was either a woman or an older person mm. that would be stretching the hide somewhere, um, either on the tree or on the ground. But it, every single piece was dealt with in, in regards to the animals and everyone had a job. Yeah, so the, the, I think the, my observation was is that they're working, like they're working consistently every day, and it's really about survival. They have to do these things every day, but they do it in such a way that there's a balance between their work and their their rest. And I think that's where that energy preservation comes in: is that they're not like we are today, just constantly pushing through. They're they're taking the rest when their body naturally tells them, okay, it's time for a rest. Right. And, and there are the like, breaks. They have natural breaks in between. Exactly. Yeah. And so so that it seems to me that's why their energy levels are so high, because they're they're managing them throughout the day instead of you know, push, 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 slam yourself with a coffee. And then by the time you get home in the evening, you're just dead tired. Mm -hmm. in the evening they're lively you know they're singing they're dancing by the fires it's it, you know it's you can really see the difference um yeah. properly i also what i hear michelle you saying is that 
when you talk about the day of 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 the women is that there is no multitasking and uh, there's always a, a conscious attention on what they're doing so they're present yes they're present in the moment so that also kind of that saves you the the need for massive recoveries because you are doing one thing if you're doing beading you're doing beading mm. if you're doing if you are I don't know, preparing the meal, you're doing that. And I think that as a mother <laughs> who uh, has a child who mirrors me immediately, I know that my mental state and my emotional state rather than mental, my emotional state has such a big impact on uh, on the child. So that's why their children probably so are, are so calm because the mothers, they don't, they don't stress out about stuff. Well, and there's a, there's a natural, uh, you know, we're all surviving and their way of surviving is different than our way of surviving. We're, we're surviving our lives as well. And we just have different models, right? We've had television and media and parents and all these other things that have come into play that, that play on our, you know, our mental capacity, our dopamine, you know, all of those kinds of things, whereas they have a very simple life and it is calm and they are more in touch with the, the earth, they're grounding all the time, right? Because they're always sitting on the ground, which has a different electric, you know, it has that yeah. electric, what do we call it? it? It has a different effect on our, um, on yeah, our, on our energy, on our energy. Uh, yeah, we're supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're supposed to yeah. ground yeah. the earth. Um, yeah, it, and it, their, it their stress is different. Yeah. You know, the men are stressed because they've got to get the food, right? And I believe that the energy of the food is different. Like I ate some of the organ meat and I have to tell you, I had an immediate uh, reaction to it of a sense of much different energy than when I eat meat here. Wow. That's been, that's been processed. That's been brought to, you know, and refrigerated and brought, how yeah. long is it between the kill and when I eat it? Yeah. It's a long time and a lot of stuff goes on in between that can affect that. So I noticed that and felt a different energy. One other story I want to share because I just thought it was so precious was I noticed the chief, the, the little kids are allowed to go back and forth between the men, women's and the men's fire. And one of the little boys who was the chief's son, and he was probably at two, under two, maybe about 18 months. He was over with the men, you know, and the chief was talking to the other tribesmen and he put his hand on his head. They were getting ready to leave. It was in the morning to go for the hunt and he put his head on his hand on his head. And after he instructed the tribesmen, don't know what he said. He, he turns to the little boy and he says, Let, let's go. And, you know, and he guides him over to the woman's fire and he stands there and he says something to the women. And then he kneels down and he says something to the little boy and then he lets him go. And he went right to mom right to the women. And now the women share in the raising. So he could have gone to any of the women. He goes there and the chief walked away and the whole tribe left for the hunt. The men did. And I just thought that was so tender to see how he modeled that and how he took the time and mm. how he gently, you know, he gently transferred the, the boy over to the, to the mom and he let him know I'm here for you. I'll be back and I'm going to go do my thing. You stay here. You stay here. Yeah. You stay here. You're safe. Yeah, that's the that's the other aspect that's, uh, that really strikes me. And, and when we talked about it with Jim as well, is that 
you know, there's such a, a big role of uh, community, the sense of community yeah. and the sense yeah. of togetherness they share um, that we don't have that anymore. Yeah. And that could add into the preservation of your energy when you don't have to do it all on your own. Exactly. You know, you do have helpers, you have support, you have other people who have your back, whether you're the men or the women, um, it didn't matter. They, they did rely on each other and they, mm -hmm. you know, and the women, when we'd ask them some questions, you know, they'd look at each other and giggle and, you know, they, they're childlike in some ways too, where they, they are, um, you know, it very pure, you know, it's pure. a very yeah. pure kind of human experience i think that's why it's it's hard to absorb it seems like it's taking time to continue to absorb all of these layers of things that we were able to share and that we were able to observe with them mm -hmm. and um and kind of bring back and say you know what can i do i i, mean, I can't live like that yeah. but what can i take from that and put into my life or to share with other people that may be a benefit which is what I think you're doing. And I think it's fabulous. Yeah, I think the, I think I had the, the exact same experience is a trying to process it all because it's it's for me, it was like a time machine, like really seeing what we may have lived like back, you know, when we were evolving. Obviously, you can't romanticize it. But, you know, how, how do we take those valuable lessons and in a practical way, because we can't go back to living in a cave or living in, in temporary huts. But how can we take some of those learnings and apply them to our lives to to make us more healthy and, and happy? Because they're they're like clearly happy people and, and quite healthy. So how I think we all just go camping. <laughs> more camping. <laughs> what else? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else can we do? Like what what is what are some of the things that you brought back with you? What what changed in your in your day-to-day -day routine or in your in your um, practice as a as a coach, as a mentor, as a consultant? What did well, you Well, one thing in regards to the energy is to have that um have that consciousness around um how to carve out time to, you know, just go and sit. And so in our culture, we meditate you know, and I think that's probably the thing that I, um, you know, I liken that to, to make sure that I have time to do my meditation or prayer, if you will, and also to focus on my spiritual self, mm -hmm. um, not just on the physical self. And then on the physical side, um, I came back and I started running again. I used to be an ultra runner uh, years and years ago, and I haven't been doing that. I exercise all the time. Um, but running is a different kind of exercise. And I was bummed that I wasn't able to take off and go on the hunt with everybody because I didn't want to be the one that'd be like, oh, gosh, we got to drag her back, you know, or leave me behind. And then I'm the food. So I did take that on. <laughs> that was <laughs> big. <laughs> you know? So um, anyway, so it, it motivated me to look at my physicality. Um, but the other thing, too, was we do have access to nature. And one of the things we've talked about is the ground. What we haven't talked about is the sky and laying on the ground in the dark and looking at that sky under the baobab tree was an experience I've never had. And I think about it often and I look up at the sky so much more now because there's an energy there yeah. that is there for all of us, whether it's the sun or whether it's the rain or whether it's the dark of night. 
there's a lot of energy. And I felt that so much when we were in Tanzania. I, I've never felt that before. It was just like washing over me, wow. you know, the entire time it was. And so when the rain fell, it wasn't, it was, again, it was just, it was just an awakening, like in a, mm. in a cleansing and yeah, it was so, it was so, such a gift. I was glad that we were out the night that it rained because the other, the other group didn't get rained on. So. That was nice too, I have to say. <laughs> getting, yeah, even more getting rained on. Yeah. So having both was, was quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, one of the, the, this energy that you talk about is the sunlight and, and the impact that it has on our bodies and being stuck in an office all day very rarely seeing this, the natural sun and, and and a simple thing like going out for a walk outside in nature is so powerful uh, and it's something that, that's accessible to most of us um, yeah and that you're absolutely right and I didn't even like kind of know that notice that but I've been outside walking way more since I got back even though it's winter time here I've like put my boots and coats on and I just head out um and because it because you're Absolutely. I think that's a definite one that I picked up and I just wasn't very conscious of it. Mm. So, Michelle, for, for those of uh, our listeners, viewers, the audience who would be interested in, in starting somehow better manage their energies, um, what would you say, you know, one or two things that they can start doing in their daily life um, to, to get to the point where they're a little bit closer to the Hudza's when it comes to to energy preservation and balance. Yeah. Well, if they're like me, it has to be on their calendar. So there has to be a, something, whether it's an, uh, 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 an exercise that you're going to do, put it on your calendar or meditation, anything like that. The other thing is to unplug, like leave your phone, you know, like don't get out of the room that has all the electric stuff in it. And if you can set up a space that has a minimal amount of electricity running through that room, through plugs and all that, unplug everything and sit and be quiet. I think that's good. The other one is, of course, to get outside and walk around, you know, spend some time there, but not on your phone, not, you know, not uh, uh, still attached to all of that kind of thing. Because, you know, I think we we're used to, well, I've got to have my you know, my pet, my pedometer to know how far I've gone. So they leave on the eye watch or I need my aura ring on to make sure that I'm, you know, tracking this and tracking that. Stop tracking your shit. Yeah, just do it. You know? do um, it. Yeah, really, like you stop that and, you know, put it aside for an hour. If you can do that every day and get yourself um, either to calm down or to do the movement, one of those is going to be hugely beneficial to you. Fantastic. I think uh, this is all really good advice. Uh, get back to nature, notice the notice it, notice the sun, notice the darkness of the night, notice the sky, notice everything around you. And yeah, I think we're so hooked on our on our devices. As you say, I was laughing when you said pedometer. I'll, I have my, my walking app, you know, that I tap on my phone because I need to know, like, why why does it even matter what matters is how i feel at the end of the day or in the morning for that matter how do i get up do i get up all you know tired and cranky or do i feel like yeah i had a good night's sleep and really we get... we overthink things yeah. we overthink things and i think unfortunately our devices you know keep our brains so dry 
garbled all the time. I love the example of of the Hadza women doing the beading because you have to be perfectly present when you're doing that because they're so intricate, the designs. Yeah, and, and they were tiny. Oh my gosh, tiny. these beads were so small. And my big fat fingers, I was like, right. I can't pick these. It, was, it took me forever to try and figure out how to pick it up off the thing. And then we dropped some on the dirt because we're not that coordinated yet. They're, they're used to it. And there'd be this other person would go and pick them all out of the dirt. All the ones that we had dropped, they don't waste anything. There is no waste anywhere. Not a. So I think it's trying it's trying to find those things, like you say, if it's meditation, whatever it is, walking in nature, where you are, you know, completely in your in your, you know, completely present. Um, Knitting. So important. Just yeah. yeah, just switch off, like switch your brain off and do something that that just brings you into yourself yeah. and 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 yeah, you can decompress. Yeah, it's and and I think that's a big challenge these days. It really is because we are overstimulated. We're used to it. It is our norm. These this is our tribe. Now we're all Zoom tribing, you know. And so you know we have we we are attached to all of this, and they're wonderful. It's a convenience. It's a beautiful thing. And at the same time, I think it's sucking the life out of us. Mm. And to, in order to maintain our life, is where where it's important to find the balance. It's important to be able to extract ourselves. And again, what, when I work with women, we put ourselves at the bottom of the list. We have best intentions. And then something happens with a kid, something happens at work, something happens with our partner and the next, or our community. And the next thing you know, oh, I'm too tired. I can't do that for myself. I'm just going to go to bed. That's what I'm giving myself. Instead of I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go sit in the sauna for half an hour by myself. You know, I mean, there, there, we have, we have a lot of choices and maybe that's our problem. We have too many, um, you know, but pick one nice. and, and stick with your promise to yourself, yeah. stick with your promise to yourself. Cause making yourself the priority is how, if you fix yourself, if you take care of yourself, then you can really do a good job taking care of others. Right. And we do have that benefit of being, of having so many blessings in our lives to be able to do that. Thank you so much. That's a brilliant advice. Thank you, Michelle. It was absolutely fascinating to hear your side of the story after Jim's Jim's um, story about Tanzania. Thank you for um, for for your time. Thank you for the insights. And um, we look forward to seeing you in person. Okay, great. This has been awesome. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. Okay. Take care.